You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. David was a believer when he was hiding his sin. And he hid his sin for a long time. And finally, when he made confession, he was so relieved. Do you not see that that could be true for you too? That all you have to do is come to the point, not just where you say, okay, I sinned, okay, there, good. See, I admitted it. No, that's not confession. But where you come to agree with God about the way he looks at your attitudes and your words, the actions, the things you're not doing. Is there a sin that you keep hidden away from others? Perhaps it's an attitude, an action, or an addiction. In today's message, Pastor Tom uses the example of King David's confession of sin. You will hear why confessing your sin to trusted believers is important, and you'll hear examples of how you can confess to God and others. It's not easy to open up about issues you struggle with, but by doing so, you'll be able to have accountability, allowing for healing and a change of direction. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 5 with today's edition of Discover Hope. Guess what? If you think, oh, I got that off my chest. I finally told some. Yeah, but are you willing now to do what the spiritual leader wants you to do because now they understand what's going on in your heart concerning sin? No, I don't really want to do any of that stuff. I just wanted to let them know that I was sinning. Well, then you're not confessing it. Because God says it's bad and it's going to need some correction and then it's going to need some training and righteousness and there's some Bible verses you're going to need to study and there's going to be some application. I don't really want to do all of that. I just thought if I came and confessed it, you know, it'd be all right. It's not really confession, I guess, because you didn't think it was all that bad. That's not what God says about it. In the Bible, confession means you agree with God about your spiritual condition. It's much more than an outward statement. It starts with an inward agreement. The mouth has to express what's in the heart. I gave some words of a true confession at one of our Lord's Supper, and I'm going to repeat it. It should sound something like this. Okay, God, you're right. You're right. I am a sinner, and I did sin in that way. And since I'm a sinner, I know I deserve your punishment. I am guilty. What I've done is wrong. There's no excuse for what I did, what I said. There's no excuse for it. I'm coming to you for pardon, for forgiveness. I know I don't deserve your mercy. I'm casting myself upon your mercy. And I want you not only to forgive me, remove the eternal consequences, obviously, with Christ on the cross, but I want you to cleanse me from this sin because I want it out of my life. And I fear I'm not strong enough to get it out of my life. I look at my patterns and I feel my way of thinking is still too carnal but I want it gone, and I need some help, and I'm willing to do what the folks in church want me to do to get it out. I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. Please work in my life. Does that sound like a true confession? Was that okay? By the way, the verb confess is in the present tense. That means something in the Greek language much more than in the English language. It means that we don't just confess once. It means we have a habit of confessing. We should be the kind of congregation, every congregation, should be the kind of people who have the habit not of covering sin, letting sin kind of go in the rearview mirror, hope that that's okay, three months gone, nobody knew about it, let's just move on. That's not confession. But the kind of congregation that when we come to church, when we come to small group, when we come to community, when we come to the gathering of the saints, we make it a habit not just to say something general, you know, Lord, I'm a sinner, but to say, you know, I yelled at my wife this morning. 
you know, I looked at that thing in that movie, and I should never have gone to that movie. I've been struggling with lust ever since. You know, I have jealousy about my neighbor's house, and I just got to get that out in the open. You know, I'm bitter against sister so-and-so because I don't like the way she talked to me. You know, my wife doesn't treat me right, and I'm bitter at her. You got to get specific with confession. Would you agree? Maybe you're lazy. Uh, no, I just like resting on the couch. No, you're lazy. What does God call it? You know, there's a whole book I have on my bookshelf that takes psychological terms and then changes them back into biblical terms, you know? Alcoholism, drunkenness. It's a difference. One is, I'm a victim of alcoholism. I can't believe this has happened to me. Well, I can. You drink a lot. Well, I had an affair, a midlife crisis. No, you committed adultery. And on and on, all kinds of things. They're contorted, all kinds of conditions and syndromes. No, you're selfish, and you're fearful, and you're unbelieving, and you're proud, and you're vain, and you thought of yourself first, and you didn't really care about God, and you didn't want Him working in your life, and now that's the way you are. That's so mean, Pastor. That's so harsh. That's so direct. I don't know, I think it's the most loving thing in the world, the most compassionate thing in the world. That's how you get forgiveness. That's how you get back in good relationship with God. That's how the Holy Spirit brings you joy. That's how your life gets a smile back on your face. What's so bad about that? Going the other way, you're just going to have to cope with life. All the way through life, you're just going to have to cope with it and cope with it. Where's that in the Bible? We should be people who are confessing sin like God says it all the time. Leaders, you need to be an example in this. Leaders, do the people in your community, your small group, your area of ministry, do they know your sins? Have you confessed sins to them? Can they say, pastor so-and-so, deacon so-and-so, teacher so-and-so, he struggles with blank. Do you confess your sin? Then how are they going to confess their sins if you don't confess their sins? I'm very, very thankful for the guys on Friday morning who have, I think, struck a pretty mature and good balance between frowning when I come with my confession of sin to them on Friday mornings and also a pat on the back and an encouraging prayer. It's a thing of wisdom to be able to not sound like, that's okay, don't worry about it, versus frowning and saying, wow, what are you doing to improve in that area? What can we do to give you more accountability? I like that. I need that as a pastor. I need that particularly from men. Do you have that, leaders, with somebody in the church? We need to be like David. I know what you're going to think. David covered up his sin. We're going to get to that. <laughs> we need to be like David. He was confronted by Nathan with his sin with Bathsheba, remember? But then he finally, the words finally came out of his mouth. You know, Nathan said, thou art the man. Remember that? I would love to have been in there. There's some fire and brimstone. <laughs> and what came out of David's mouth, a sincere believer who had been trying to cover it up for a long time, he was still a sincere believer. He said, I, and he said it publicly, have sinned against the Lord. The king said it. He humbled himself. Cain was a little bit different. God comes to Cain after he murdered Abel and rebukes him and gives him his consequence. And Cain says, my punishment is too great to bear. It's all about him. It's all about him. He murdered his brother. 
And all he can come up with is, my punishment's too great to bear. I got you. Chop your head off right now, buddy. Which one of those two are you more like, David or Cain? Are you admitting to God, for example, that when you're anxious, you're actually committing a sin? You're doubting God. And you have no good reason to doubt God. Oh, you can list 20 reasons to be anxious, but none of them will get all that far with God. Do you confess anxiety as the symptom of a weak faith in God's promises? Do you confess that as sin? Let me see. Do you know a scripture about anxiety? Be anxious for? Oh, you are so good. You memorize your Bible verses. Be anxious for some reasonable things. That's how we think. See, we memorize the verse. We don't meditate on the verse after we memorize it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. There it is. Prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Why do you need to give thanks so you can look back on all the ways God provided you up till now? And you're like, hey, he took care of everything up till now. I guess it's going to be okay in the future. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, unless you have a psychological disorder, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't forget that psychological disorder. You can't get the peace of God without if you have one of those, can you? Oh, that's not what it says? What about when you seek your own pleasures rather than serving others first? I remember when I was a younger Christian, it was read to me that Bible verse that says it's more blessed to give than what? To receive. I remember thinking like, okay, I'm supposed to believe that. But I really like getting presents. And I really wasn't into that verse all that much. It was one of those things where you're like, it must be true. It's in the Bible. I think maybe one day I'll aspire to that. But I really like getting stuff. I didn't think you could really ever get to the point where you would actually say, I'm happier and more blessed and would rather give than get. By the grace of God, I can say that's where I am now. I get more joy out of giving things to people than I do when I get stuff. I still like getting stuff. Don't hold back the gifts. I'm not trying to say <laughs> Don't test me in that. I'm just, I'm not. I just love giving. And there are other people in this church that love giving. And you're like, they just give. And then they give and they keep giving. They give a ride. They give a word of encouragement. But many of you are like, I don't really want to give up any time to do anything in church. You know, I, and when I get home, I want to play my video games. And I want, to, I want to do the things that I want to do. And I don't really have time for all that church stuff. My life's so busy. No, you're just too selfish. That's why your spiritual gift isn't used all that much. Do you confess that? Do you confess that? Well, I'll get around to serving Christ, you know, when my work schedule's not so bad. I'm glad everyone doesn't think that way in the church. No one would be serving. Are you kind of lazy for the kingdom of God, some of you? Let me just kind of get through this and then I'll serve. No, you won't. No, you won't. I remember when we were in college, you know, that was the saying, you know, hey, can you come out? We got an evangelism book table. Could you serve? Now I got to study. I got to study. You know, I'm in college first for my studies. I was like, oh, okay, you got. It's the same people always make their excuses. Don't have time now. Then they get into their work. You know, well, I don't have time to serve now. I got, I got to do my work. I think you're just kind of self-absorbed, and I think you need to say that. Then there's some of you who have a hard time with covetousness. Some sins are quiet, quiet little sins. You know, some of you are quiet little people. 
and you have quiet little sins. Nobody can hear them. The loud people, they confess their sins because they blow up with anger. They're sinning. Look at that. It's obvious. Not you flying under the radar. <laughs> but you just quietly look at that person with their jewelry on Sunday morning and quietly look at that person's car. That is a Jaguar they drove up in. <laughs> and it just quietly makes you Nobody likes me, and I don't have good things in my life. Do you confess that to anybody? No, I'm supposed to be one of the good people in church. I don't do wrong. You know, in school, all the big, loud, bad boys got all the marks from the teachers and had to sit out during recess. Do you remember? I was a fourth grade teacher. You remember that? <laughs> and the quiet little girls, they never sinned. Oh, yes, they did. They just sit quietly. <laughs> but no one thought of them as a bad person. Do you confess that, a sin, to people in the church? A lack of confession is pride. What about your anger? I like it when someone says, I have trouble with anger and I want to get it under control before something worse happens. I like that. And then they start submitting themselves to the things they need to do. I like that. That's good. What about lack of forgiveness? You know, one of the times where we are most vulnerable to temptation and sin, this is really true, is when someone else has sinned against us. And the harder the sin against us, the harder the temptation to bear. When someone is disloyal, when someone is slanderous, when someone is unfaithful, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then it says, forgiving each other. Who do you forgive? Do you forgive people who don't sin against you or do sin against you? It's a pretty easy question. Would you agree? Which one of the two? The ones who sin against you. They sinned against you. They treated you badly. They treated you poorly. They neglected you. They spoke against you. They hurt you. They yelled at you. What is the divine advice in that situation? The answer is, wait a few days, make them feel really, really bad. <laughs> Turn the cold shoulder for a couple of months, make them grovel a few more times, and then offer a tiny little bit of forgiveness to see how they handle it. Is that the divine advice? Forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. But it's commanded. And by the way, the hard things that God has us do are actually very good things. It tastes great to us. When we do it, I don't know, I've never really met anyone who really forgave from the heart and said, oh, shucks, I shouldn't have. They feel good. It's like they're released from a prison. They're in a prison, and Satan has taken advantage of that, and they need to forgive, but they don't want to, and yet they don't even want to confess their lack of forgiveness is a sin. Nope, that other person sinned. They sinned. They sinned. I can tell you all about their sin. They did this, then they did that, then they did this, and they did that. I got it in writing. 
Good, you're very good. You know, you do well in, in the law courts. <laughs> you know, you do well as an accuser. It's a very good job. Can you turn that around and do that about your own heart right now, about how you are, a lack of forgiveness? You willing to do that? Confess that? I'm not going to confess. They deserve it. Okay. Okay, you've redefined it. You haven't confessed it. I see. I see. Lack of forgiving someone's not a big deal. God doesn't think it's a big deal. If you don't forgive someone, it's not a big deal with God, I guess. Just go right on worshiping. Just go right on doing what you're doing. Wait a minute. But then there's that Lord's Prayer. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as what? Oh, we forgive our debtors. For if you do not forgive men for their transgressions, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. But they might take advantage of me if I don't forgive them. True. If, I mean, if I do forgive them. True, they may take advantage of it. You take advantage of God. God forgave you sins, and then you turn right around and do what? Sin again. Does God say, I shouldn't have forgiven you? Is that what he says? It's not what he says to me. He still forgives me. I go right back and sin again. You know, if I were God, and I'm not, it's a good thing I'm not, I would say, enough of that. You know, three strikes, you're out. 70 times seven, I'm sure I've sinned 490 times, then done with that guy. He just keeps forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Do you confess sin? We haven't even got to the prayer part yet. We're just parking here on confessing sin. The pain of hidden sin is in Psalm 32. Would you just turn there a second, and we'll finish with this. We'll get to the other part next time. But Psalm 32 really expresses the pain of hidden sin and not confessing sin. Two of these psalms have to do with David's sin against God in the arena of Bathsheba and then Uriah having Bathsheba's husband killed in battle, committing adultery with Bathsheba. In Psalm 51, it's the actual psalm that was written to confess that sin. And Psalm 32 is sort of the description of what was going on in David's life when he was struggling with hiding the sin. He says, we'll just start in verse 1, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. It's such a blessing to have forgiveness, he's saying. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now he flashes back, verse 3, When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night... Your hand, that is God's hand, was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And there's a little salah there, a pause. And the whole tone changes in verse 5. Even the way the music was done probably, a change of tone happened in verse 5. I acknowledge my sin. So in verses 3 and 4, he's like, he covered up his sin. He didn't confess his sin. He didn't let anybody know what he had done. And it was killing him. His body was affected. At night in bed, he couldn't sleep. He was groaning all the time, all day long. It's not like he was going around happy. God was putting a little extra weight on his conscience, and it was like his heavy hand of God upon his life. Meant to eventually force him all the way down to his knees because of his sin. You ever been out in the summer and you've been in the heat of the summer and you've been working and like you're just like have no energy left? That is how he felt because he was covering up his sin. 
When Nathan comes and says, thou art the man, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then what happens? Well, did he regret it? He says, no, you forgave the guilt of my sin. David was a believer when he was hiding his sin. And he hid his sin for a long time. And finally, when he made confession, he was so relieved. Do you not see that that could be true for you too? That all you have to do is come to the point, not just where you say, okay, I sinned, okay, there, good, see, I admitted it. No, that's not confession. But where you come to agree with God about the way he looks at your attitudes and your words, the actions, the things you're not doing, sitting in church and not learning to love God is a sin, taking the word of God lightly is a sin, not helping other people is a sin. Most of our sins are sins of omission rather than commission, right? When you start to view your life like God sees it and you start to say that back to God, this is who I am, it's freeing. The prison house is broken. You come out, the gate is wide open. There's forgiveness, there's joy. The heavy hand of God is lifted from you. You become more valuable in ministry and service to God. What are you waiting for? You say, who should I confess my sins to? Well, start with someone that you wronged, someone you had a bad attitude about. Start there. And if not there, do you have a besetting sin, a sin that you commit over and over? Then you need accountability. Find a group of people in the church who will hold you accountable, not someone who will just say nothing about it, someone who will really hold your feet to the fire. Okay, what are you going to do about it now? And then you have good people to confess it to. And it may be your confession, and here's another reason to confess sin to the congregation, just to be an encouragement to somebody else, right? When you hear someone stand up and say very humbly, this past week, this past month, for the better part of this last year, I have been, and then they go on to describe how they covered up their sin. Does that encourage you? Does that humble you too? Does that make you want to confess your sin more? So maybe your confession of sin would be helpful to somebody. Think about how Paul would say, I'm the chief of sinners. I shouldn't even be an apostle. I persecuted the church of God. He reminded everyone of his past. Some of us want to cover up our past. Paul didn't. He brought all of its ugliness out and he said, you know, when you look at me here as an apostle, working harder than the other apostles, planting churches, ministering, I want you to see here the grace of God at work. What you see here is a testimony and a monument to the mighty power of the grace of God because I, I persecuted the church of God. That's who I am. And Paul's constantly confessing sin. And by the way, Paul confessed his sin to hundreds of millions of people. You know how I know? Because he wrote it in Scripture and everybody that reads Scripture knows that he confessed sin to all of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he let... The whole world know he was the worst of all the sinners in church. Nobody beats him. He's chief. Whatever you think you are, you're not the worst. He already took that slot. And so you need to confess it. Now, what we didn't get to is when you confess sin, then you pray for one another. Why do those go hand in hand? We'll talk about it next time. That prayer, when people are confessing their sin, that opens up the ministry and powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Then we pray for one another 
And then it says, the effective prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much. And we go into the example of Elijah and we'll just pray that God teaches us and instructs us from that. While listening to today's message by Pastor Tom, did any areas of sin in your life come to mind that it might be time to confess? Is there something that you're silently struggling with? You heard about the confessions of sin that King David and the Apostle Paul made and the healing that it brought to them. Consider finding a trusted believer to open up to and share your struggles with. By bringing your sin to light, you'll find accountability and you'll have someone who is supporting the changes you make. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leake, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Tune in next time to Discover Hope to continue learning about why you should pray more. You'll learn about how to pray for one another after hearing someone's confession and about how to pray for healing. God gave us prayer as a powerful tool of communication with Him. Take some time to reach out to God through prayer today. To listen again to today's message in the book of James, visit HopeBibleChurch.org and look under the Sermons tab. Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word. So join us again right here on Discover Hope.